Welcome to the College Connection Podcast, a podcast presented by the College of Registered Nurses of Newfoundland and Labrador. This podcast is a series of regulatory-focused information and education sessions for RNs and MPs. This is the College Connection Podcast. I'm Ashley Dim, Program Manager for Virtual Care. So I'll just, uh, I know we're, we're post-pandemic for a while now, but I will, um, again, just kind of start a little bit back before, before pandemic and how we've um, come today. And then the focus is uh, going to be on the virtual ERs, the virtual primary healthcare initiatives. And then I will touch a little bit on our updated st- statistics for nursing um, in virtual care and then our overall sustainability for virtual care, which aligns with the health accord actions. So um, just a bit of overview on our team. So the provincial virtual care team. So we have con- we have leads in each of the regional health authorities. So we'll all soon um, be part of the provincial health authority. Doesn't change our, our functions. We've always functioned with a regional focus um, and that just allows for, for continuity across and then also reaching our provincial objectives. So we've always been uh, this provincial team. So we have provincial governance for virtual care. So that that comes from government for us to follow uh, the mandates. And um, that links up with our provincial committees and regional committees and all of those kind of trickle into the governance structure that we followed. Um, It used to be telehealth. Now we're uh, it's virtual care. So we collaborate with a number of clinical programs. So, you know, you might have been involved with any of our groups before, some of our our clinical leads. We work with professional practice um, on certain specific initiatives or just overall with certain uh, clinical designations. The Department of Health and Community Services, we work with them regularly, um, the regional health authorities, of course, and then uh, a variety of other stakeholders, um, some in private practice, and then most are have linkages with the, the health authorities. So our core, we're all clinicians, so our core responsibilities um, to focus on creating education and training materials. Um, we tailor them specific to the clinical group that we are working with. We have a number of, you know, general ones for our virtual care solutions, but uh, we will we will make specific ones as well. We will help create policy d- development, um, help with deployment, and we'll provide guidance on the policies and uh, any other documentation that may be required, such as, um, you know, patient education materials, pamphlets, um, anything like that. We will help guide. And then we provide clinical support. So although the clinicians in their area are the the experts um, and certainly know the workflow, we will work um, to provide clinical support on incorporating that technical tool, technical solution into your environment and allowing virtual care to um, enhance and work uh, work with your service and your service needs. So virtual care has become an integral part of virtual healthcare delivery in our province. Um, it's been around for well over 40 years, telehealth has, but certainly we've, we've always been on a steady incline um, pre-pandemic even, but uh, when pandemic happened, it certainly broke down a number of barriers that um, seemed to exist before that certainly no longer exist today. So we have an in- 
you know, to respond to that, we have an increase in our virtual care solutions. So the core solutions that our program supports, but then in addition to those, a number of solutions that already existed that were virtual, they've also included video conferencing um, and expanded beyond phone delivery or in-person. The expansion of emergency and urgent care has certainly been growing over the last two years. We've had, um, I think we're, we're almost deployed to all of the category B facilities, and I'll touch a bit more on that in a bit. Um, and now urgent care is certainly increasing, and that is um, usually it's, it is a bit of a diversion from the emergency services, but it's also um, urgent access that are, you know, CTAS fours and fives that um, can be moved from the emergency department or urgent that's been escalated up from primary health care. Addressing gaps in primary health care has been um, another growing area. And as many people know, there's about, there's over 30,000 uh, citizens on the Patient Connect NL registered today um, without access to a primary care provider. So, you know, significant number and the province has been trying to address these gaps by increasing services, whether virtually or in person. So we're certainly working to collaborate where we're possible to expand those services. And then deployment of more facility and home-based solutions, including our peripheral devices. So although um, when the pandemic hit, home-based solutions certainly grew significantly, but um, facility-based solutions are still heavily used. There's, there's certainly um, a need for facility-based, especially with additional peripheral devices to enhance that, that virtual service. So it's providing accessibility to a client in a facility, but um, their clinician is at another location. So this is uh, just a bit of everybody probably seen these slides before, but um, so we've deployed over 4,500 licenses during the height of pandemic to clinicians. So this was either Zoom for Healthcare or Cisco Jabber or a telehealth endpoint was deployed um, to a clinician to use for virtual services. So this, again, as mentioned, it expands both home base and facility. So even though a number of software licenses were deployed, we deployed a significant number of facility-based telehealth units so it could look like a desktop unit, looks like a computer monitor today, or it could be a clinical cart, um, which we are, which would you would see in our emergency departments. Um, it looks similar to the, the workstation on wheels is probably how I would describe it. And I have a picture of it just uh, a few slides down. So we, uh, we deployed a significant number. We had funding during um, the pandemic to expand both home base and facility services. And we maximized that that funding opportunity to reach as many clinical departments and uh, clinicians to uh, have access to service. So I, I will focus mostly on video, but phone is included in virtual care. There's a number of other components of virtual care, but um, phone and video is certainly the most prominent. Um, but as virtual care continues to expand and we work through um, adjustments in the province, I guess, with the health accord and uh, opportunities, you secure messaging, um, secure file transfer, those things will certainly um, be expanding, we expect across the province. And then for other examples, you have EMR, which has added video access and other, um, other solutions um, have added video as well. 
So increased access to mobile health services. So I kind of touched on that there. Um, there's increased access to services across the province to address primary health care. Um, and right now we would, uh, we've deployed Zoom for Healthcare and Cisco Jabber can both be used from, from mobile devices. So there's also a shift in collaborative teams. So a number of clinicians are, are collaborating together remotely. So we, we also support collaborative tools for case conferences, um, clinical support and discussion of patients. Um, we can help facilitate group sessions that go out to a number of patients uh, with multiple clinicians supporting it. And um, that's probably one of the biggest things is a lot of collaborative teams today um, are not necessarily located in the same area where they used to. Um, some are working from home, other ones are just dispersed across different facilities. So we allow, we help support the collaboration um, and connection with those collaborative teams. And just an example there is, we have um, a solution, we have Zoom Deploy today, where a client um, sees multiple clinicians during their, I think it's one hour session, and the clinicians will actually kind of tag in and out from those meetings. The, the client stays on the connection, while a number of clinicians will actually um, connect in and out so that they can do a complete assessment in a collaborative way, which is really great and it allows uh, communication and access to the patient. So again, it's the balance of mix of in-person and virtual care. Certainly virtual care has to be suitable for the client and suitable for the clinical use case. So we will help um, support, you know, evaluation of when, when those services, um, when virtual care can be offered and uh, help make plans and protocols if you have to adjust and move to an in-person visit. So provincial virtual care, uh, the use cases for emergency source emergency services. So the, the first one is obviously the, the most um, known in the province today, certainly in the, the media, it's been, uh, it's advertised, you know, daily almost now, the virtual emergency room services. So this is focusing on the category B facilities. Um, and there's 20 across the province. And um, I think, about 15, I think, uh, that have been trained and set up. Um, we have equipment for all of the sites if required, but it's just based on requirements right now and, and need for switching to virtual. So even though a number of them have the virtual care equipment, they might not have switched um, to offer virtual care services. So I will show you a few stats and a little bit on the actual um, usage of emergency room services done virtually. So this is um, right now the current use case mostly is used where a category A physician provides coverage to the category B site virtually. So in most cases it's a double physician coverage. So it is a category two category A physicians at one site. One is doing normal in-person, the other one is focusing on virtual. And then at the receiving site at the category B site, there is usually additional staff um, depending on the Depending on the facility and the RHA, um, there could be an extra nurse on, there could be, um, there's somebody for airway management, so it could be an ACP available. There's different, um, it depends on the use case and the availability of staff, but um, we have a couple standards already set and each of the, the facilities will, will set their minimal um, requirement to be able to offer a virtual emergency room service. 
So the next one is provincial virtual urgent care. So this is more focused on the diversion. So there's a couple of different scenarios set up um, with this. So there is a pilot project happening in Western Health with utilizes 811. So clients um, of a certain CTAS are moved out of the emergency department and offered a virtual um, session with an 811 nurse practitioner. And um, we're actually looking at a number of other use cases with urgent care to divert some of those emergency, those high, low CTAS patients um, off of the category A physician's coverage and allow either, you know, a follow-up appointment the next day and the client could potentially go home or they are diverted to see um, a nurse practitioner or another covering physician, could be a primary health care provider. Fast Track is, um, I think we're in our second month now of uh, Fast Track, which is we expect to expand. So it is a, a slightly different version of um, the urgent care diversion. So that is supporting the right now with um, the category A physicians providing coverage to the category Bs is certainly still a heavy load that's um, coming into the, the, the category B departments. So Fast Track is um, allowing clients that are there more for primary health care needs, um, quick follow-ups, anything that can be diverted would move to the Fast Track um, lane just to take the, the burden and allow focus for that category A physician because um, we really don't want to overburden them or you know, cause any sort of burnout where the virtual emergency room services won't be available. Um, and then usually um, in most our scenarios, the category A physician covers up to three category B facilities for virtual ER services. Um, it does depend, but that is uh, a typical use case that we have today. So if there's, you know, within central health, if there's more than a certain number of facilities, then um, that's why you would see closures. It depends on, you know, a number of factors that would, would lead into a, a closure of the emergency room department um, versus a virtual ER. And every, every region is certainly making their, their own clinical decisions there. And we just try to support as best as possible. NICU Eyes on Baby. So this is another emergency service. Um, we are expanding to all birthing sites across the province. Um, we have our last three sites getting set up this week. Um, and then training would be happening for the, the birthing sites. So this is... Um, the neonatologist at the NICU um, can provide, you know, eyes on baby, the, the way we call it. Um, so it, they have video conferencing access to view the baby if um, to support during, you know, a potential code, a baby's in distress, preparing them for, for transport um, to make sure they're stable or potentially avoiding an unnecessary transport to the Janeway um, if they're able to stabilize and keep them at their location. So this has been um, really successful so far. The neonatologists are certainly very much engaged and see the benefit of connecting into the, the birthing sites and allowing that, that you know, the eyes on, on the baby and that additional clinical consultation with uh, the staff on site. So our last three sites have been a priority for us and uh, the, the training of the staff will, will be happening hopefully within the next couple of weeks, and then we'll be live at all sites. 
Psychiatry on call is, um, is also available. So this is an emergency services for the psychiatrist that's on call for the province. Um, this one right now is being done over Zoom for healthcare and it is uh, a bit more straight, you know, video, video appointment over um, software devices just to allow consultation um, on psychiatry. And the last one um, is PICU. So with the increase in respiratory illnesses over the last year um, and the success of NICU, PICU has come forward to expand um, into virtual care as well. So we are, you know, in a number of areas, we can utilize equipment that is already available, uh, such as in our ER departments, but we're also adding additional devices. Um, I think right now we're focusing on iPads, um, which is allowing, you know, a good enough video quality and connection for the, the clinical staff to, to engage from the PQ and uh, assist with consultation. So this is um, our current solution. So we still are working in a hybrid infrastructure. So it just means that we're, we're partially in the cloud. We partially have an on-premise infrastructure. Um, and this, um, we're, we're working to streamline it to move more towards the cloud and streamline our services towards um, WebEx. So we'll be a, a still a Cisco base with WebEx. Um, Zoom for Healthcare will still exist to some capacity, but uh, right now we are duplicating licenses um, for a number of clinical staff so that they can have facility-based plus home-based. Um, so this will allow them to kind of have one solution to meet both needs, which will be a lot more streamlined and, and user-friendly. For our peripheral devices, um, we have a number of peripheral devices and we're always looking for new opportunities, new solutions to test, and any clinical group that's looking to try a new solution will certainly help in any way to, to test them out and find, uh, find a solution that works with uh, their current needs and the technology that we have today. So we have e-stethoscopes. Right now we use, it's, um, it's called ECHO, E-K-O. Um, so we have two different versions, as you can see down on the, the bottom left. Um, oh, sorry, just on the bottom there. Um, so that's the Echo Duo. It looks like a little rectangle. We have one that's an Echo Core, and that one looks just like a stethoscope. We can actually buy an attachment and take a regular stethoscope, um, add this little digital piece to it, and it functions um, as a digital stethoscope. So um, we're able to connect those with iPads and our PCs to allow auscultation um, during a video conferencing appointment. And then we have a HD examination camera. So right now we use the, the GEDMED horoscopes called. Um, we have a couple of different versions of it. Um, all of them come with a general viewing lens, an otoscope and a derm lens. Um, and those ones are, are heavily used in, in a number of areas, especially with the virtually errors. That's probably one of our, our most used um, solution, peripheral devices that's been deployed. And then on the right, you can see our clinical cart. So you can see the desktop unit, the wall-mounted unit, and then our clinical cart. So the one on the right is our, it's our Visia clinical cart. Um, might see AMWELL on some of them. But those are our, our most robust cards. It's an all-in-one. It's you know easy to clean. You'll see those in the NICU. Um, we deployed them in a number of the ERs because it's the definitely the most robust, the easiest to clean and, and maintain. Um, other ones we have are built carts, and uh, 
still same function. It's just uh, a little bit of a, a different look and feel to it. So for the virtual emergency rooms, this setup is very similar for a lot of our um, setups, but for the emergency room, for the provider site, it just shows how simple the technology can be for the provider. Um, they can be on their laptop or um, a tablet. We, we don't recommend you know, a phone just from the, the size of the screen and video um, capabilities, but we certainly, you know, iPads have been fine and uh, their work computers. Um, In-ear buds is all we recommend for the provider just for, for good audio. Um, we can, you can use uh, noise canceling headphones and other things, but for the need that uh, we have today, in-ear buds will suffice. On the patient side, as, as I said before, so that's our robust clinical cart. And then we will pair it with um, the examination camera, a stethoscope, and the iPad. So the iPad is actually there for the stethoscope. Um, it Bluetooth pairs to the iPad, um, and that it sends the auscultation to a dashboard that the provider would log in and listen to. So it is a little bit separate from the, the telehealth unit, but it, um, it allows the, you know, go to the bedside with the iPad and, and stream it that way. So um, Central Health has all of their Category Bs set up with uh, virtual emergency room services. So these are the stats. So last year when I presented, um, we've certainly updated them. We've added the, the two years there now. And um, it's important to note that these stats are, these numbers are only when the site is open. So it, it could be that, um, you know, for example, Brookfield, um, the number could have been a lot higher potentially if the site um, wasn't closed at certain times or it, it all depends on which ones are closed um, or on full diversion and uh, which ones are open versus which ones are staffed and open with regular operational procedures. But if anybody has any questions or any uh, need any more information on the actual virtual ERs or our usage, I can certainly uh, give you more information there. But you can certainly see that um, it is heavily used. There's a lot of consultations coming through these. Um, and it has been really successful to, you know, prepare clients for transport, prevent unnecessary transport, or, you know, provide the care so that the client can be discharged and, and sent home. So for the other reasons, I don't really have it broken down the same, um, just how they're set up today. So within Eastern Health, uh, it was roughly about 106, Western about 98. We do expect that to increase with the diversion project when that goes fully live. Um, and then we, we always reference the, the coastal clinics in Lab Brantful region. So they've always been functioning with this virtual um, model. So we do monitor their stats as well to be able to report. And then for NICU, based on five sites, we have had 35 consults. So that's potentially 35, you know, 35 times that they would not have been able to lay eyes on a baby, which is significant. It's not a huge number when you look at it, but it is significant um, when you think about a baby who's potentially in distress. So just a map, um, we, we do have an interactive map that will be back up on our website soon. Um, it's for you know clients, clinicians to look and see where we have services available. 
So as you can see, the stars are our emergency rooms, and then the rest are just where there's telehealth endpoints available, um, and they're color-coded for the, the RHA. This is the Grenfell region. And this is just a typical workflow. Um, any clinical group that comes forward um, for virtual emergency room will we'll go through this workflow and tailor it for that specific site and make sure that um, there's workflow documents, process maps, everything available um, to be successful. It's, it's not one size fits all, but just a, a typical example would be, you know, patient registers, their triage, a virtual assessment happens, they're assessed at a four or five or a one three. If they're certainly a one three, then there would be a virtual assessment and a transfer, depending on, you know, how urgent the patient could be, you know, would be transferred fairly quickly to go to a category A facility. And if the client was to call, um, call 911 and an ambulance was dispatched, or emergency services, an ambulance was dispatched and they would bypass the facility based on um, the triage of the client. They wouldn't show up to a uh, virtual ER. And then um, our hopes is that we can kind of expand on clients. You know, you might show up to emergency room or potentially not have to show up to the, out, the emergency room at all and you're offered an outpatient appointment. Right now, um, all clients are coming into the facility and they are receiving a virtual appointment if they um, would like to stay. Same thing as if you, you know, show up to a, a staffed ER, you, you sit and wait your, your time to be seen. So current gaps, um, of course, as we've seen across the province and, and you know, for, for nursing especially, there's a large number of gaps um, in staff coverage and vacancies. So we know that there's a physician shortage for access to primary health care. We know for, as examples with the virtual ERs, um, we're not able to staff all of these areas. So that's certainly a challenge that we are trying to address um, by offering virtual services and other collaborations to increase, keep access and maintain services to some level. We still have mixed documentation systems. So um, as we expand with the, the, health the new HIS, health information system, um, we're hoping to you know, move away from this mixed documentation model. Right now, you, know, you could have a category A facility that's seeing the, the client at a category B and um, they're using two different documentation systems. One could be using Meditech and the other one you could be using EMR. So they're not, the systems aren't necessarily talking to each other the way you would like. So there is, you know, faxing and, and other methods having to be used to make sure that uh, the documentation is consistent and um, meets all the standards. Inconsistent workflows is another area. So making sure we have proper support for the patients and the staff. So as we noted, a number of every site is different and we will work with each site to try to you know, minimize any inconsistencies and, and always adjust the workflows to make sure we're, we're supporting as best as possible. Um, today, we don't have connection with the transport or flight team. We do, we have enabled um, the flight, the NICU flight team with iPads, for example, but the iPads are, they're cellular, um, but really we need satellite access. 
And, uh, and we know certainly in this province that, you know, when an ambulance leaves on transport, there's, there could be an hour, two hour or longer where there's no cell access. So we're certainly promoting um, expanding to satellite access, which would increase, you know, the collaboration clinical support um, through the whole journey for the patient. Increasing demands on the health system, as, as we all know, um, is, is always a challenge and we're, you know, virtual care program is, is trying to assist where possible to, to address some of the demands and, and allow virtual services where applicable. So for virtual primary health care, um, as I mentioned, I think, it's, I think we're up to 30, 32-ish um, unattached patients on the Patient Connect NL. So uh, the number, it's probably even more since I last checked, but uh, it is a steady rise of, of patients without primary health care access. Um, as we know across the province, a number of clients, because they don't have access to primary health care, the, a number of them are the ones that are showing up to these ERs and the virtual ERs to have access to care, because that is their only option. Um, and then the collaborative team clinics that have been expanding across the province. So um, we will support them and help deploy virtual care where applicable. Um, and we know that as part of the health accord that the collaborative team clinics will continue to grow and try to address the, the gaps in primary health care. In central and western, they have health hubs and health neighborhoods. Um, just slightly different models for access to primary health care. So virtual care has been incorporated into those areas um, to allow uh, home-based services, but also have facility-based services where they have access to our peripheral devices, such as the stethoscope or exam camera. And then risks for unattached patient is um, certainly an area that we are trying to support. So making sure that there is access, where we can support access with virtual services. Um, we're trying to, to, help to work with any clinical department to try to work those in. Um, and it could just be that it's, it's video into the home, or if it's more advanced, then we'll, we'll look to support that. Um, so primary health care and other initiatives. So just to, to touch on some of the other areas, um, not necessarily within primary health care. So I already mentioned the collaborative team clinics, um, which many of you probably know that are, are expanding across the province. Um, so there's also virtual primary health care appointments. So they are occurring today and um, we're hoping that that will continue to expand. Virtual pre-admission clinic. Um, so this has been launched within our lab Grenfell region, and we do expect it to expand um, across the whole province pretty quickly, uh, just given its initial its success. So this is um, a client is getting ready for surgery in St. John's, and um, they actually do their pre-admission assessment over video using where they come into a clinic at their local facility. Um, they are seen by the nurse, they're seen by the anesthetist, and um, this helps cut off time that they don't have to travel. So they might not have to travel an extra two or three days, could be an extra week that they wouldn't have had to come, take time off work or make arrangements um, and the cost associated with that, lost time work or you know, childcare, anything like that. Um, it also prevents unnecessary, helps prevent unnecessary transfers um, or an unnecessary travel. So the client um, 
you know, they might need additional follow-up based on the one of their scans prior to or their blood work, they can potentially have that follow-up and make sure there's no delays in their surgery. Or if, you know, longer follow-up is required, such as a heart murmur needs um, follow-up, then they could reschedule that surgery and make sure that the client, you know, because if not, the client would have traveled to St. John's, found that out, and the surgery would have been canceled. So there's certainly opportunity, and we are in the very early stages um, of this. I think we're, we're about a month or two in now, um, and it has been really successful. So we're, we're working through, you know, we're adjusting as we go and uh, planning for expansion. St. Pierre Miquelon Virtual Care Services. So we're just getting ready to expand um, here as we provide services um, to these clients. We're trying to allow for virtual services so they don't have to leave their country to come over uh, where applicable. So we're uh, hoping to get our first uh, patient, our first few patients set up within the next month, which is really great. Um, and then the, the last one is our virtual care RFP for virtual ER and uh, primary healthcare services. So this one is still um, in, in the planning phase. I guess the RFP is, has been complete and the recommendation has gone forward for additional support for ER services and primary healthcare services. So looking for a vendor to support that. So we're starting to have a lot more on that one uh, within the next year, I'd say. So virtual care and nursing, um, here's just a little snapshot of, um, this is based on any clinicians that come through using Zoom for Healthcare or um, Cisco Jabber or one of our telehealth endpoints. Um, so they either are scheduling through iScheduler or they're scheduling using um, Jabber or Zoom for Healthcare. Um, we tag all of our information so that we can do this reporting on clinical groups, um, sites, departments, a number of different ways so that we can uh, provide this reporting regionally and then um, to the province, to the department for uh, evaluations and stuff. So it's just a snapshot of registered nurses and nurse practitioners and the usage. Um, if if it was a registered nurse and they pick up an iPad to support a client who's on a, uh, on, you know, a acute care floor, for example, we wouldn't capture that that nurse was part of that consultation or part of that service because they're using a generic account. Um, so this is clinicians that are scheduling it and participating as the, you know, the main resource. So we know that uh, certainly the numbers would be a lot higher if we were looking at more of our generic devices as well. And here's another breakdown. Uh, I know it's a bit busy. The slides will be posted, but if anybody wants any more breakdowns, they can certainly reach out. Um, so this is for registered nurses based on department. So you can just see a number of usage. Uh, mental health and addictions is certainly a, a large uh, area that's um, always been heavily using it. Uh, primary health care, chronic disease, another example, and then community health. Those are, are some of the, the really big um, users and uh, children's and women's health. And the next slide is for nurse practitioners. So much health addictions again, um, correctional facilities. That was uh, where corrections were brought under um, healthcare, under the regional health authority. The, the access has, we're now tracking that access to uh, 
health services with corrections. Um, so provincial sustainability. So right now we are that mixed model approach and we do think that a mixed model will still be required to some extent. We want to streamline as, as best as possible with our solutions so that we're um, making it as easy as possible for clinicians to have access to virtual care. Um, but we want to make sure that the right tools still exist um, in, in various ways for them to, to meet their different clinical needs. Um, with the RFP, again, we've mentioned, I've mentioned that we're looking for external vendor support to make sure that we are able to meet the current demand um, as we adjust to the plans of the health board, because we know that that's going to take some time. So strengthen clinical workflows. So we're looking at linkages within primary health care, um, opportunities potentially for home-based triage. So having a client not come into an emergency room um, potentially, if they're able to, to move to a primary healthcare stream, um, there's a number of opportunities that we'll, we can uh, work on over the next, uh, next few years. Provincial integration and interoperability of virtual care. So as we move with the HIS, uh, the patient health record, there's a number of opportunities for us to be further integrated and interoperable for virtual care. Um, right now, you know, if you want to book at a facility-based unit, we still use iScheduler because we don't have access or insight into the room booking system, for example. Also, if clinical support is required, we have no other way to request um, a nurse or an LPN to support a clinical appointment. So we're always looking for opportunities to be more integrated and more interoperable with our services. So that it just makes it easier and more efficient for clinical staff to be able to use it. And then again, from the Provincial Health Accord Blueprint, virtual care is listed throughout a lot of that uh, document, if you had a look. Um, so we're, you know, there's interim plans and long-term plans to support virtual care and the growth to, uh, to reimagine the health system. So there's just a couple, I won't go too far into this. I just wanna give some time for questions. So I'll try to pull up here now. But um, virtual care is a, is a key part to rebalancing the health system. We've, we've pulled out a couple of different um, key points that were mentioned in the health accord that certainly are driving our, our goals and objectives for the next, uh, for the next year. Um, and as mentioned, like virtual emergency systems, there's um, all the work that we've been doing and, and been expanding on the virtual care community teams. There's a lot of this stuff we've already seen in the works. It's just huge opportunities to streamline and increase access um, and grow those opportunities. It's just in conclusion here, and I will, the next slide, I'll just go over a bit of our team, but uh, we just pulled out a quote from the, the health accord. So I'll just move in to show you who our team is. Um, so we have a, so this is our provincial team. Um, so as, as noted, there's a, a regional coordinator or manager in each of the health authorities that is uh, responsible for virtual care. So they would be your contact um, for expanding. And um, we do say they're, they're there regionally. So if it is, you know, you're not part of the Eastern Health Authority right now, um, but you're, you know, you might be in private or somewhere else, we can certainly still, you can still reach out to one of my staff and we'll support your, you know, your needs with virtual care and helping you pick the right solution, um, no matter where you are in your, in your practice. So this is our team. Um, if you have any questions or want to figure out who to connect to or how to, how to best uh, meet your needs, 
you certainly reach out and I'll connect you with someone from the team. And we have a general intake process as well. Um, so here's another, oh, I just realized I got a, a mistake there, that's okay. Uh, so the virtual care team. So we have the virtual care nurse education coordinator. Um, that one is currently vacant right now. The scheduling coordinators, um, so that's Alice and Donna, if you've ever run into them. So we have technical support. Um, we have one technical lead on our team, but we also work with the CSS. Um, there's a telehealth lead or virtual care lead within the CSS pools as well. So they're very much part of the team. They just don't uh, report under, under my division. Um, there's a clinical information consultant. It's not Lance right now, actually. I just realized that. Um, but that's okay. And so that is Connie. And she supports Bridge the Gap and uh, tools like Bridget and Eva. She just started. And then we have a virtual care admin. So if you ever email our general virtual care inbox, um, Andrea would be the one filtering um, and getting you in touch with the right, right content. This has been a presentation of the College of Registered Nurses of Newfoundland and Labrador.